So in Mark 1, Jesus begins his ministry. We're 14 verses in and Jesus begins. And the first words spoken by our Lord are these, and I'll read them again. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. John the Baptist had preceded Jesus with the message of repent, but his repent was to avoid destruction, right? He was preaching that something was was coming to an end and the kingdom was coming. And Jesus said the kingdom is near. The kingdom is here. Uh, So it, it shifts from this message of turn away from something, which we often understand repentance. And Jesus says turn towards something. If you don't know what you're turning towards, I think you're going to struggle with turning away. And it seems a subtle difference in the messages of John and Jesus. And sometimes we don't notice it. Now, the kingdom of God, that term, kingdom of God, is mentioned how many times do you think in the Old Testament? You can, you can hold it up on one hand. Do you give a guess? Anyone? No? Two. Two times in the Old Testament, you hear the words kingdom of God. Does that shock you? Yeah. We talk about it a lot, don't we? And Mark is our oldest gospel. So if you were the first person to pick up something other than the Old Testament, having heard the kingdom of God only two times ever, here you have Jesus saying it in the first thing he says, which would lead you to the question, what is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? Who will be in the kingdom? And when will it come? And we're going to spend some time in Lent, which is coming up around Valentine's Day, uh, looking at those questions specifically. Lent will be devoted to the kingdom of God as Mark explains it. Um, But for now, I want to consider the difference between repentance from destruction and repentance toward good news. That's what Jesus says. Repent and believe the good news. The good news is what? Well, he just said it. The time of fulfillment has come, and the kingdom has come near. Is that good news? Maybe. It sounds like it should be, but what does it mean? Well, the introduction of this good news is coupled with the news of John's arrest, and we can't ignore that. Uh, The beginning of Jesus' ministry has a cloud of danger overhead, and it's very clear, but we're going to get to that a little later. Uh, we know that following Jesus brings a risk, yes? Yeah, so we'll get to that. So we have Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and they're called from their prosperous fishing business to follow Jesus, to leave everything they, they knew, to become something different. We know they were prosperous because they had families and hired hands, um, They weren't amateurs. They knew what they were doing, and they they were prosperous. Jesus, Mark says, one of his favorite words, immediately calls them, and they immediately leave their nets and follow. Called from their lives, family, job, homes, status, esteem, and normalcy as a human being, and they're called to something new. But to what? What are they called to? We really don't even see in the Scripture that they even knew. They were just called to follow. 
Now, Jesus has been preaching about the kingdom of God, calling people to repent and believe the good news. And that's as much as we know about maybe what they knew they were moving towards. We do find a clue in the way Simon and Andrew are called. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. That's really strange. You're going to fish for people. You're going to farm for people, John. You're going to be a veterinarian for people, Mary Lou. I don't know if I'm interested in that, but, uh, but yeah. It's strange. Fishing for people, it seems, to them is more worthwhile than the calling of their careers and, and what they had planned out in life. They, they had dreams. Get a home, have a career, have a family, retire, go travel to Hawaii, whatever they were going to do. Um, fishing for people is more important. More important than addressing the livelihood of their families. That's what the text says. Simon doesn't say Simon went to his wife and said, Honey, somebody's offered me an invitation. It just says they immediately left and followed. Um, I mean, they relied on his hard work too, right? The family. It was more than family first. It was actually, as it came, comes to be seen later, it's more than Israel first. They don't know that yet. Maybe they wouldn't have followed if they thought that immediately. But away they go. And we turn to Paul to understand how others were called because Paul gives us a strange instruction uh, to the letter to the church in Corinth. Um, on the surface, it may even seem offensive. Were any of you like, hold up a minute, live as if I don't have a wife? And it's implied, wives you live as if you don't have husbands. Really? I'll, we'll read it again. Paul says, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as if though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no possessions. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Is this strange? Is this unsettling? Depends where it's going, right? When coupled with the calling of the disciples, something's familiar, yes? To live differently, as if everything has changed. Follow me and live as if your current life were not your current life anymore. This kind of calling is founded upon believing in the good news, that God's kingdom is near and will one day be all there is. The kingdom of God in the two times, we find it in the Old Testament, uh, they spoke of it as when a time of God's justice and peace will be upon the whole earth. So let's think about that. We say that, and we may even, you know, we've heard that before. God's justice and peace upon every nation. God's justice and peace upon every person. No one anywhere will be without the presence of God's justice and peace. Those who exploit justice, brought into God's justice, will be humbled. Those who are exploited will be exalted. See how that makes sense? But everyone is subject to God's justice. So let's think about it this way. Imagine, if you will, you can close your eyes if you want. I'm going to read a list of what this is going to mean. No more oppression. No more racism. No more sexism. No more women being assaulted by men. No more stealing. No more mass shootings. 
No more war. Which means no more military. No more government. No more rich. No more poor. No more hunger. No more reality of the death of children under five every seven seconds. No more arguing and killing over land. No more arguing and killing over politics. No more right wing. No more left wing. No more death. No more sin. No more sadness. And no more pain. Instead, God's justice and peace will be present for all. Is this good news? Do you believe? Can you even, can you even imagine? I mean, I want to, and I can grasp a glimpse here and there. But how wonderful that this is our future. Praise God. So what does this belief mean for us today? Because we're not in that, that current state of things, are we? We don't see God's justice and peace everywhere. So what do we do? Now, we could talk about worldwide problems, but frankly, that's really overwhelming and it ends up just making us feel like we're helpless, doesn't it? So let's talk a little smaller. Um, repenting means turning away, but implied is that you turn away from something to something else, yes? Um, we're called to turn away from wherever we are headed that is not full of God's justice and peace so that we may live in a way that shows we believe in God's justice and peace. The term good news in this case, it means, it's where we get our word gospel. The gospel of Mark, the good news of Mark. If you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to preach the good news. Um, it's the term used by kingdoms in Mark's day to announce their victories. So a herald would come to announce the victory of their kingdom. They would bring the good news, the gospel. It was Rome's word that the Christians commandeered and said, we have better news. The victory of Jesus, because Jesus brings victories, yes? Jesus says, again, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And if we're headed towards a direction that makes anything in life more important than being a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we must, friends, turn away. And why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? If we're not fighting for that kingdom with all those amazing ideas, with that amazing awareness that no more are we dealing with all the darkness, why wouldn't we be pursuing that? And if what you're pursuing is something different, does it measure up? Is there any direction worth heading more than the direction of the kingdom of God? As Paul writes it, if we turn away from our old way and we turn toward the way of Jesus, we know that all people become important, as important as our spouses. All matters of our lives just as important as the matters of others' lives. When we recognize the truth of the coming, the being near of God's justice and peace, we immediately see the world is far from God's kingdom. Yes? 
when we see that there is oppression and racism and sexism and assault and stealing and violence, there are rich, there are poor, there are hungry, there are fed, there are thirsty, there is arguing, there is division, there is death and sin and sadness, and there is pain. Our lives, when we grasp the truth, are lived as if all the matters that we deal with are as important as the ones others deal with, every other person. Are we to stop being married? Is that what Paul's saying? No. Rest easy. Give a sigh of relief. No. But we are to know that one day all people will be our family. Just as all people matter to God equally, we are called to follow now. Just as Jesus brings the good news to his people, the Jews first, and Mark's day, eventually the Gentiles will be invited too. We know this, yes? Here we are. Are any of you Jewish? Here we are. We were called. Just as God looks upon all people with favor, we must as well. That is what we're called into. And this call affects the way we live, does it not? It affects the choices we make, and we may feel that we are leaving everything behind. It may feel like we're walking away from everything we thought we knew or that we wanted to be correct or right. And friends, the good news for you all is you've already begun this process. Do you know that? Because you're here this morning. Look around. Look around. Look at the people next to you. You've repented from a family-first mentality, and now you regard the people sitting around you as sisters and brothers. Yes? That language isn't, isn't superficial. It means something. And we regard God as our Father. We regard Jesus as our brother. What would it look like for us to fully live out this relationship and this shift? What would it look like for us to really do that? I heard someone say a couple weeks ago, you know, ideally at church, people wouldn't sit next to their families because we're all a family and there's no need to make sure you're sitting next to particular people. And I thought, whoa, I've never seen that. I don't, that would be uncomfortable. Um, yeah, but is that what we're striving for? Is that what we claim when we call each other sister and brother? When you, would you consider the people sitting immediately to your right and left more important than the people sitting two rows in front of you or behind you? After all, we are all sisters and brothers, and saying it is one thing, living it is another. And you have taught me how to live better as a brother, and I, I, I appreciate that. And I hope we're learning from one another. When it comes time to treat a brother or sister with the peace and justice of God, some in your own house may speak against you. Not maybe in your literal house, but your family, your friends, your tribe. They may speak against you. They might say something like, how could you show them grace? They aren't one of us. They might say, family first. They might say to me, you're a Sanford before you're anything else. They might say, America first. We're Americans before we're anything else. It's dangerous to walk toward the kingdom of God. People don't like it. Instead, consider the good news. God first. All people to be loved as I love myself. 
Be a neighbor to everyone as a testament of my faith in the good news. My faith in the kingdom of God. This change is not easy. If we can't do it here in this group, how can we do it anywhere else? Some of you may be thinking, I hope so-and-so is listening. Maybe you need to listen if you're thinking that. But if you can do it here, we can do it anywhere, friends, anywhere. Trust in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Drop your nets and follow him. Even if you're not exactly sure where you're headed, you know you're with the right person. Jesus, my friends, changes our hearts and our minds to fully embrace the peace and justice of God. Don't feel like you have to have it figured out. Just follow Jesus, and Jesus will lead you. Whatever you do from day to day, whatever your routine, your occupation, your habits, turn that life toward Jesus. Live your life for the good news. Let your marriage reflect the truth of God's justice and peace for all. Let your work be the advancement of the kingdom. If you fish, fish for people. If you teach, teach with the goal of loving your students with the peace and love of God. If you work in retail, treat your coworkers, even your bosses, and customers, even the most difficult ones, with love and grace and justice. And if you are retired, invest your time. Pray. Volunteer. Reach out by the phone and call someone who's lonely just because God's justice counts for them too. God's love is for them as well. So friends, follow Jesus Christ and share in the good news of the kingdom of God. Amen. 